I confess I'm a woman, and I like taking a woman who thinks she can only come once and making her come 20 to 40 times and then turning her loose on the world. I can't even count that high. This podcast is intended for those 18 and older. If that's not you, please head to scarletine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for listening to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin-based storytelling series featuring smart, sexy stories in front of a live audience. Between performances, we ask audience members to anonymously submit confessions of their own, which are then read aloud by one of our producers. The performance you're about to hear was recorded on August 15, 2013 by Sarah Gray. Sarah is an Austinite who, after discovering Bedpost Confessions, was inspired to start writing again. Here she reads a piece about the illusions we create within relationships and the lessons we often learn as a result. Here is Sarah reading Pedigree. So, I was cruising OkCupid like you do. I had used it sporadically for several years without much success. The men whose profiles I liked rarely answered my queries, and most of the messages I received were from guys from in one of three unacceptable camps. <clears throat> Those looking for a threesome guest star. Those ignorant of the basic rules of grammar. And those of the bro opinion that Fight Club was the greatest film ever made. <laughs> Logging in every morning only to write, thanks, but no thanks, was getting me down. I decided to close up my profile and take a break. I logged in and noticed a message from deep in the heart of Zazen. Zen, eh? I looked his profile over. His answers to the usual questions were descriptive but succinct. He enjoyed running, reading, and listening to Fugazi. In his photo, his deep brown eyes peered from underneath the brim of his newsboy cap. And get this, he used to be a Zen priest. As he briefly detailed it, he had just moved into his own private apartment after having lived in monastic communities for the past several years. His message itself was friendly and tactful. Have you ever read any Derek Jensen, he asked. And we tossed book recommendations back and forth until we agreed to meet over beers the next evening. His parting message read, I'm Michael. I'll see you tomorrow, Sarah. <clears throat> I was elated. Not only was he well-read, cute, and single, but he was a Zen priest, too. At that particular point in my life, my relationship with Buddhism was tentative. I had read a small mountain of books. I'd attended a couple of introductory classes at various local meditation centers. I'd even gone on a 10-day silent retreat. But still, I was hesitant. While I found that the Four Noble Truths provided realistic insights into my everyday struggles, I really meditated. I felt pretentious any time I was tempted to say I was a Buddhist. This guy, though, he was the real deal. He had shaved his head, put on the robes, and gave up an income and most of his material possessions to live the Dharma. Even if we didn't hit it off romantically, it'd be interesting to pick the brain of someone who had lived Buddhism so much more deeply than I had. I went to bed that night buzzing with anticipation. Next evening, we met each other at a cozy bar near my work. We each ordered a blue moon and then investigated the jukebox. He picked a black flag song. I settled for Johnny Cash. We partook of the polite chit-chat that typifies any first date between two strangers. His gaze was intense, 
you know, distracted. He was very preoccupied with his current part-time job, which was the first income-earning, tax-paying job he'd taken in his adult life after living so many years as an active priest. I listened and took note of his restive hands and his quick, intelligent eyes. After a couple of beers, he seemed calmer, and conversation flowed more naturally, if somewhat stiltedly. We decided to, c- to call it an early night. Though he was prepared to take the bus, he gratefully accepted my offer of a ride home. That whole uh, renouncing material possessions thing obviously meant that he didn't have a car. Still, despite his stiffness, the date had been pleasant enough. We continued to message each other throughout the ensuing weeks. We went to a concert of experimental music together. When his employer promoted him to full-time, he borrowed a friend's moped and took me to dinner to celebrate. (laughs) He did the best he could. As we leaned together into turns, I was thrilled to feel my arms around his waist and the wind in my hair. Between dates, I did a little judicious googling and found his award-winning Zen blog. I read years' worth of entries. I discovered his flicker, and my imagination mortared the white space between each picture with stories. So what if our actual interactions were kind of awkward? Surely that would all be smoothed over in time. I felt as if I knew him. My heart flooded with longing as I imagined how it would feel to kiss him. I fantasized about long hours lounging in bed with him or of sitting next to him in the Zen meditation hall. (sighs) Soon, I felt it was time for us to get closer. Why don't I pick you up on Thursday so we can hang out at my place? I asked him via email. I'll make dinner and we'll watch a movie. He replied, sure, sounds great. He got the hint. The date was set. I should have known things were headed for disaster when he first met my chihuahua, Penny. Normally, she is the friendliest of creatures, always willing to meet new people and snuggle in any lap that's offered. She wagged her tail in excitement as he picked her up, but within moments, she started to growl and writhe in his arms. He was petting her too hard. I could see her struggling within his tight grip. Hey there, ease up. She doesn't like being petted that way, I told him, and he let her go. I put this out of mind as I poured some wine. After dinner, he admitted to never having seen The Silence of the Lambs, which was one of my favorite films, so I fired up the (laughs) Blu-ray. I figured the suspense would give us plenty of chances to grab onto each other. He held my hand during the film. I've lingered over the smooth texture of the skin between each of his fingers. Afterwards, the moment I'd been hoping for finally arrived when he looked into my eyes and leaned in to kiss me. A surge of pure happiness welled within me as I touched the back of his neck. We'd had a pretty nice evening, but it did not end there, sadly. We kissed and kissed again. He drew back and said, Let's go to your bedroom. I agreed to this, though some small part of me objected, thinking, you're not ready to have sex with this man yet. Making out is fine, but you still don't know him well. Let's wait, give it some time. But that quiet, sure scruple was drowned out by my louder hopes. This intelligent, interesting, incredibly attractive, and unique man wants me. Me! 
Maybe this will be the love that I've been searching for all this time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I found myself navigating an all too familiar territory. I bargained away each piece of my clothing in exchange for a tenderness that never came. His touch was rough in a way that wasn't pleasurable or sexy at all. But I told myself that I liked it because I liked him, right? I wanted him to like me. Maybe this is what it took. Surely in just a moment, he'd hold me in the way I wanted to be held. He's a Zen priest, after all. Surely he'll know when he's hurting someone, right? In a last half-assed attempt at getting some pleasure for myself out of this incredibly, increasingly painful encounter, I tried to give him some pointers. A little to the left, a little bit softer, please. And things improved. In fact, I began to feel good enough that I let loose with a little vocalization like a lady is wont to do, and things are going well. Oh, yes. Like that. Oh, that's it. His voice was tight. Could you not be so loud? <laughs> You're hurting my ears. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. No one had ever complained about the sounds of my pleasure before. I was too shocked to remember that no one ever should. Thank you. <laughs> this is not a fun night for me. Uh, sorry, I murmured, and I panted quietly until he was done. He rolled over next to me. I rested my head on his shoulder. Just so you know, he said as he peeled off the condom, I'm not ready for any kind of relationship yet. This was just for fun. Oh, again, I was too bewildered to reply. I was too bewildered to reply, which is what I should have said. You could have said as much before we had sex, asshole. Instead, I sighed. Okay, well, how about I have a turn then? I would like an orgasm too. He looked away from me. I feel kind of weird. I should get home. It's late. We pulled on our clothes and got in my car. Yep. As I drove him home, he chatted as if nothing had happened. We made tentative plans to check out a new Indian restaurant downtown. I struggled to keep my mind on the road. The lingering urgency of arousal roiled against a panicky hollowness growing in the pit of my stomach. I dropped him off, went back home, sat on my bed, and proceeded to cry until it felt like my eyes would pop. What the hell just happened? I'd been used. Worse, I'd betrayed myself again. I'd been through this many I'd been through many similar situations in my early 20s. Back then I slept with men who had interesting pedigrees. Playwright, guitarist, improv actor, goth club DJ. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
Even if they seldom called, wheedled rent money out of me, or stood me up. Their being artistic in some way was a great balm to my ego. So great that I could ignore the uneasy relationship we had off stage, at least for a while. I rarely complained, as I assumed that artists would be able to tell what was going on with me. Weren't they more sensitive, more attuned to the world around them than regular schmucks like myself? Experience had given the lie to that particular fantasy, of course, which is why I was so devastated that lonely day after my final date with Michael. I couldn't believe that I had made that mistake yet again. Moreover, I had made it about a Buddhist, and Buddhism in general. Fame, acclaim, admiration, all of these things are nice in and of themselves, but they're empty of permanence. So was being a Zen priest. I realized I'd made a very common mistake in believing that the Dharma, or someone who practiced it, would save me from myself. I'd used his priestly status as the building blocks of a fantasy, a fairy story that blinded me to weeks of vaguely uncomfortable, uncomfortable interactions with him. Sleeping with him was the rude wake-up call to reality. I didn't know him at all, and not because he'd hidden anything from me. All the signs were there. I had chosen to ignore them. Later, I told him how hurt I felt after that night. To his credit, he was never defensive, and he never made excuses. He simply apologized and expressed his remorse. I never saw him again. I hope I never have to. But I will say that I am grateful for the wisdom I learned that night, though it was earned painfully. Putting it into practice will never be easy. I feel an attraction towards those who stand out. But I also know this. Even if I met the Buddha, I will trust what arises in that moment between the Buddha and myself more than any list of accolades, miracles, or hopes. My instincts live in the present, and I can trust them. I have to. They're all I have to go on. Thank you. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Sadie Smythe of That's What Sadie Said.com, Julie Gillis of JulieGillis.com, and Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast at MiaOnTop.com. This podcast is produced by Ian Danskin of InnuendoStudios.com and sponsored by Little Shop of O's. For all your sex toy needs, head to LittleShopOfO's.com. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at BedpostConfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter, where we tweet audience confessions. Chime in and add yours. Until next time, we leave you with a few more audience confessions. I confess, I was out one night on laundry day, and I reconnected with a hottie from high school. At the point that I knew I was going home with him, I went to the bathroom, took off my granny panties, and threw them in the trash. I would like to confess that I too have done that. I confess that in the two months since my husband and I opened our 25-year marriage, I have been spanked, bitten, bruised, fucked, had my anal cherry popped, discovered that I am a squirter after all, gotten almost arrested for indecent exposure at 2 a.m. in Zilker Park, and our marriage has never been stronger or more connected than it is right now. Ho, 
Thank you.